it's just a great Sunday to be here. God's doing some stuff. God's doing some stuff in your life. I know he is. Today, I just want to encourage you to let go. Let go and let him do what he wants to do. May freak you out a little bit, but that's okay. Let him freak you out a little bit. Let him talk to you today. Let him touch your heart today. Let him change your heart today. Because I can promise you, there is no greater journey in life than walking with Jesus. It's, it's not more fun. It's not more stressful. It's not more fearful. I mean, it, it's everything wrapped up in one. There's no greater adventure than that. All right, my, my series that I'm, I'm going to start this week is inspired by a couple different guys, Rick Warren and Chick, Chip Ingram. Um, as I started thinking about different things and just praying about different things and looking at our culture and talking to people, we got a lot of battles we're fighting. I mean, it's, it's crazy right now. Um, you know, we talked about a year ago with, you know, with everything that was going on with COVID, how there were lifelong friends who are no longer friends because they just viewed things differently. We become so self-centered and we don't realize that, that we have an enemy whose job is to destroy us. That's his sole purpose. He wants to destroy you. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about through this series is we need to understand. And there were a few different songs that popped into my head while I was writing this message this week. One of them was there's this older song by Rick Springfield from, his, from an album he wrote years ago. It said, it's always something. How many of y'all ever noticed that? It seems like you're either coming out of a problem, you're in the middle of the problem, or you're getting ready to go into another problem. It's always something. You know, I, I was talking to one guy this week. He's like, yeah, I had this going on, and I was running late. And, and he's like, I, I went out to my car to go get in my car because I was late for work because I had some things. I overslept, and all of a sudden I jump in my car, and my car don't start. It's always something. Something is always going to try to trip us up. Something always is going to try to distract us. The other song I, I, I thought about was a song by Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Again, it's an older song. It says, everything is broken. Well, I'm, it wasn't always that way. At the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, garden, awesome, paradise, perfect. And they sinned. And at that point, everything got broken. It separated us from God, the world we live in. Now it's broken because of that sin. And so we have a battle that's going on. See, there's, there's always things going on. And there's another song by D1, and it talks about the last line of his song, I'm a Christian. He basically says, you know, most people don't even realize you're in a spiritual battle. But that's who he's writing his songs for, is to remind you we are. And see, in addition to the fall of sin, there is a cosmic battle going on for you. There is a spiritual battle for your soul going on. And we need to understand that. There's three battles that we're fighting almost all the time. There's the battle that goes on inside of us with our old sinful nature. You know, Paul talks about it, how he goes, you know, and, and it's one of my favorite verses that totally confuses me every time I read it. He says, I find myself not doing the things I should do and doing the things I shouldn't do. Why do I not, why do, I not do the things I know I should? And, I, I, and he goes back and forth with it, and then he goes, oh, what a wretched man am I. That's the battle going on with our sinful nature, with our, with our old selves. Is it's, it's, and I, I'm willing to bet some of you guys have, you knew something was wrong and you still did it. You're just taking a shot in the dark. That's our sinful nature. 
See, our nature since the fall, since sin came into the world, our nature is to do the very thing that draws us away from God. That's why we have, why Paul says later on, I, I crucified myself with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. See, because we're, we're going to be slaves to sin or we're going to be slaves to God. We're going to be slaves to something. We just have to decide what we're going to be a slave to. The second battle we have is the world around us. Our culture, everything we see in culture says you don't matter unless you do A, B, C, or D. If you're, in a, if you're not in a relationship, you're not good enough. If you don't have enough money, you're not good enough. If you don't look just the right way, you're not good enough. If you don't have this, you're not good enough. Our culture around us is always trying to tear us down, tell us we're not good enough, so we're always trying to strive for something that really, at the end of the day, don't matter. It just doesn't. We try to keep up. Remember, there was the old saying for us older people, keeping up with the Joneses. We always had to keep up with everyone around us so they wouldn't think less of us. That's the battle that's going on around us. And then there's a battle that's going on against you, and that is Satan. The devil is real. You have a real enemy. He is not God. God's not struggling to defeat him. When, when Jesus comes back and all is over, game over, it's done. Dude, don't stand a chance. But right now, his whole job is to lie, cheat, kill, steal, and destroy as many of you as he can. My job is to make it hard for you to get there. I want you to trip over me if you want to go to hell. Because I'm going to try to stop you from going by introducing you to Jesus. Because he paid the price for us. We talked about, you know, I talked real quick about slavery. Did you know there are more people in slavery today than there was during the Civil War? But it was a bigger deal back then. We have the sex slave trade. We have slave labor. We have all kinds of different slavery going on, and we turn a blind eye to that today. But we have as much slavery going on today. And it's, in some cases, the numbers vary. But one study I read talked about over a million people are in slavery today. That's what we're fighting for. Those people who can't fight for themselves. That's why these battles are so important for us to win. That's why today's message is too soon to quit. Because guess what? Life is hard. Life sucks. It just does at times. I'm sorry. If I'm not supposed to say that, sorry. But it is just hard at times. But God made a way. I was talking yesterday, and it's all a lot of times it's just about perspective. How do I choose to look at things? And I'm sure you've all had those days where you're just angry for no reason. You know, you drop a fork when you're doing dishes, and all of a sudden it's like the end of the world. And you just can't understand why you're so angry. And then for me, I go sit down and read my Bible and say, okay, God, i got to get this back straight note here. And again, but, but we look at this stuff and we understand there's a war that's going on around us. We understand we're in a battle. See, Hebrews, and we're going to jump into Hebrews today is where we're going to go. Hebrews 11 is, is that chapter that talks about the heroes of faith. You know, it's God's Hall of Fame basically. He talks about Moses. He talks about David. He talks about Abraham. 
He talks about Gideon and Samson and Jacob. See, learning to live by faith involves pain. You can't learn to live with faith if you're trying to live by your feelings. A friend of mine, Randy Ruiz, makes a statement and says, emotions and feelings are great slaves, but they are horrible masters. See, when our emotions and our feelings run our lives, our day goes from good to bad in a split second because we're focused on how we feel. And isn't that what the world tells us? Do what makes you feel good. And then you don't understand why you don't feel good. It's because you're letting your feelings decide where you're headed instead of focusing on what's important. See, it's easy to love and it's easy to serve God when things are going good. It's easy to say I have faith when things are easy. See, a true test of character and your faith is when no one's watching and when things ain't going well. Then you're going to see how much we all still have to grow. You know, I, I wish and I hope I can, I can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when, when the king was going to throw him in the fire because they refused to bow down and worship his golden statue. And they looked at the king and said, even if our God doesn't save us, we ain't going to worship you. We're going to worship our God. They said, we know he can save us, but even if he don't, don't care. This is where I'm headed. I'm focused. And so we want to learn that faith doesn't promise a perfect, easygoing life. I want you guys to know that. I think for too long in churches, we, we made that mistake. If you pray this prayer and you give your heart to Jesus, life will be all wonderful. No, normally when you pray and you give your heart to Jesus, life gets worse. Because you've got to tear some stuff off. You've got to let go of some stuff that you've been used to. See, this is not heaven. This is earth. This is our learning stage. Faith includes facing pain. It includes delayed prayers. But it, it involves unrealized promises of God. And so in Hebrews 11, we're going to jump down, go past the Hall of Fame, and go to verse 35, and it'll be up here on the screen. It says, women received their loved ones back from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. See, we see Samson, we see David, we see all these guys, and we're like, woohoo, these guys are awesome. And then we, re we don't want to read this part because it says, okay, if I follow Jesus, my back might be cut open with a whip. We are such wussified Christians in the United States. We're not persecuted. There are, I read one study, there are 13 people a day being killed for their faith around the world. When the last time your life was threatened for your faith? 
oh, but they might make fun of me. You aren't getting killed for your faith. In 2021, it says there were more than 4,700 people killed around the world for their faith. See, faith doesn't make life easy. But we have to remember, this isn't the end. Our prize is in heaven. We have a life beyond this. That's where our hope lies. That's why we can have joy when everything's going wrong. See, there's three profound principles I pulled out of those five verses. And the first one is faith doesn't spare you from pain. Standing for what's right, doing the right thing can be painful. Second thing is some of God's promises won't be fulfilled until heaven. Delay in answered prayers isn't denial. In fact, I can look back on my life and I can thank God today for some of the prayers he didn't answer when I prayed them. Because it wouldn't have turned out well. And the third one was we're runners. We got to remember we're runners in an eternal race. There have been generations before us who've run the race and they passed the baton to us. And now we're just running our lap. See, we're going to pass our batons off to the next generation. We want to leave a legacy for the next generation. To race the race that God set before them. And they'll pass it off to the next generation. This race isn't won until the last runner hits the goal line. When Jesus comes back and calls us home, that's when this race is over. Until then, it even says at the very end of this verse, it says, they would not reach perfection without you. All these people we read about in Hebrews are still, because we're going to jump to verse or chapter 12, verse 1, because again, you can't stop at just one chapter. You can't stop at just five verses. You've got to keep reading. And in verse or chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. See, I love that. See, they finished the race, and now they're sitting there cheering you on. Because they know they can't reach perfection until you do. And so you got a host in heaven sitting in the stands watching you run and they are cheering you on. They're saying, Adam, keep going. You can do this. I'm not going to call all of y'all because I don't want y'all to look down. But understand, they are cheering you on. They are saying, go, you can do this. You can do it. Yeah, you, you fell, but get up. We'll pick you up. You can continue. You can keep going. You made a mistake. Wash your hands of it. Keep going. Don't stop running. Don't stop. Keep going. And as we keep moving forward, they continue to cheer and we pass it to the next generation. And guess what we get to do then? We get to cheer them on. We can say, you can do it. You may not run like I run, but you're going to finish the race. See, that's what happened too often. We want to hand our faith off to the next generation to live a legacy, but we want them to do it like we did it. 
You know, we want the music to be like the music we listen to. We want them to do it in, in, in church how we do church. We want them to dress like we dress. We want them to have haircuts like we have so we're all cool. No, that's not what happens. I'm willing to bet that the majority of the apostles wouldn't be accepted in most churches today. I'm darn sure Jesus wouldn't be accepted in most churches with the blood on his feet and hands and the dirt on his feet. So we want everything to be pretty. I want Jesus. That simple. That's why at our church, and you guys are awesome. I'm not talking about you guys. You guys are awesome. I have never had one person that has not told me they have not felt welcome. And that is because of you guys, not because of me. Because we set the culture when I started up here. So I don't care if you've got blue spiky hair, face tattoos, piercings all over the place. Smell like cigarettes and alcohol. You get a seat of honor in this front row. You're accepted. Because Jesus accepted me. I had people who told me they would have never invited me to church because I had earrings and wore Raiders stuff and had the attitude to go with it. Seriously, I had people after I went to church, they're like, we'd have never thought about inviting you. I say that because there are people in your life that you're afraid to invite because you don't think they'd want Jesus, and they want Jesus. My life, my marriage, and my family were saved because of that. Was it hard? Yes. It was hard. But today, I will tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was worth it. There's nothing I would change except me being an idiot and taking this long to get here. It's about the only thing I'd change. <laughs> All right, quiet, Mom. Um, when life gets hard, and it's going to get hard, we need to remember six points that come from these verses this morning. See, because right around the corner, there's going to be an obstacle. Some of you are going to walk out of here this morning and make a decision. And guess what? The minute you walk out of here, something's going to challenge that decision. I told you about it a couple weeks ago. Every message I preach, if I ain't careful, I am getting challenged by it all week. Because that's how we pass tests, is we have to take them. You can't pass a test unless you take it. See, some of us are too afraid to take the test because we're afraid of what if we fail? What if you don't? What if things work out? What if you find joy you never knew you could have? See, that's perspective. That's how I see things. What if it does work out? And if it doesn't, you know what you do? Strap up, reload, try again. How many of y'all ever gone hunting? How about fishing? How many of y'all shoot something the first time every time who go hunting or have caught, let's just say you've gone catching instead of fishing? You failed, so why do you continue to do it? Seriously, that's a serious question. If you're not catching a fish every time you throw the line in the water, why do you do it? Because you're failing every time you don't catch one. If you line up a deer and you miss him the first time, 
You should just pack up your gun and go home and never hunt again because you fail. But that's how we treat Jesus in our life with him. If things don't work out, well, it just must not be worth it. And I use that because I've done them both. Guess what I did when I missed my deer? Bam, shot again. And I got him. See, you're going to fail. We've created a culture because of our social media that is so afraid to fail that they don't do anything. Because everything's cropped. Everything's beautiful on social media. You never see arguments on social media. How many of you people who are married ever posted a picture of you and your spouse arguing? No, it's always those pictures where, and it could be two seconds after you argued. You could still take a picture and smile, and then you go back to fighting. See, everything's perfect, but faith and life is hard. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. The first thing we want to remember when tough times come is that heaven is watching. We all know God sees everything. He formed us. He sees us. He knows every part of us. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. But that's the great part about this is it's not only God sees you, but you got a huge crowd of witnesses seeing you. you got a huge group of people that says, keep going. The fact that Moses could be watching you and seeing how you're handling your problems or that Abraham is watching you and seeing how you're handling your problems, does that excite you? No, really, that was interactive. Most of the time, no, because we know how we handle our problems and it's not like we should, is it? See, Moses or Abraham, and this, this punched me right in the face when I was reading it. It was really funny because Moses and Abraham are sitting up there and I'm whining about a problem and Moses is like, really, you think that's tough? I had to lead a whole million people out of the land of Egypt when the Pharaoh didn't want me to. Or Abraham's like, dude, seriously? I had to leave my whole family and go somewhere. I had no idea where I was going. God just said, get stepping. So I started stepping. See, they're, they're sitting there watching us. But here's the thing, is the Bible says your life, as it's being watched, don't give up. Keep moving. See, these people in heaven, Abraham, Moses, David, Samson, all the, all the saints, everybody he's talking about here, they're not criticizing you. They're saying, I'll walk with you. I'll do it with you. But don't make this little molehill into a mountain. Paul, I mean, just read his story. Dude was beat, stoned, thrown in jail, shipwrecked, whole life tore apart, how many multiple times? And he says what? I count it all joy. <laughs> and we get somebody that says they don't like us and we want to go cry. The second thing we want to do and we need to do is we need to eliminate what doesn't matter. See, we are so busy with stuff that don't matter that we're just busy. If you want to end your race, you have to declutter. You have to simplify. You have to get rid of things that aren't helping you get to where you want to go. So we need to eliminate what doesn't matter. 
Now, when we were going through and, and beginning to this church um, build-out process and stuff like that, I didn't do a lot of other things. Why? Because this is what it, God had called us to do at that time, was to get this built out so we could reach people. And, and as we were going through it, guess what? My focus is on saying, no, i got to get this done. i got to get this done. Well, what about this? we got to do this. No, no, we're going to do this. See, in your life, God's given you a purpose. God's given you a plan. Stay focused on that plan. And anything that distracts that, kick it to the curb. Don't hang on to it. Don't try to do it. It might be a good thing. See, that's what weights are. Go to the next slide. Weights that he talks about here is anything that slows you down. See, you might be too busy. You might be burning the candles at both ends. But here's the thing is it doesn't have to be bad things. It can be good things. You could be doing good things and just be busy. See, we want to make sure that anything that's stopping us from going where God's calling us to go, that we get rid of it, that we push it to the side, that we stay focused on what we're doing at that time. So you can actually be doing too many good things. And those are the weights that we're talking about here is anything that slows you down. It, they don't have to be bad. See, a, a weight for me very easily could be, as a pastor, every day meeting with people. Eight hours a day, all I do is meet with people. Now, for you guys, as I try to preach a message, how good would that be for you guys? I couldn't teach you, could I? Because I'm spending 40 hours a week just meeting with people and helping people with their problems. They are good things, and I do do that. But guess what? I also make sure that I'm intentional about spending my time praying over what I, I need to teach you guys. Because I've been called to be a shepherd, which is to care for the flock. And so I have to make sure that what I'm doing is right and what God's called me to do. I can't do everything. The second thing is sins. And basically, just a real quick thing, sins are knowing what to do and not doing them. Pretty simple. Um, where am I at here? I didn't write the verse down. It says, sin will especially slow you down. If you're holding on to a grudge, you don't forgive a person, you're going to be, get discouraged. If you harbor anger in your heart, if you harbor guilt in your heart, and you have unconfessed sin in your life, you're going to get discouraged. See, as that sin, your conscience tells you not to do something, but yet you still do it. James 14, 4.17 says, Anyone then that knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. See, too often we want to think and say, well, I'm not like that person. And we justify our own things. But Jesus is telling us, you know what's wrong, so why are you letting them do it? If you know it's wrong, help them. Don't just leave them in it. See, when we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, James is telling us it's sin. And that will slow us down. See, i got to remember, heaven's watching me. Heaven's saying you can do it. I'm surrounded. I've got to eliminate the things that are going to hold me back. And now that will take a lifetime. That is not a one-time, okay, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Because how many of you guys have ever tried to stop something by saying, I'm not going to do it anymore? How many of you guys started it three days later? How many of you guys ever at the beginning of the year said, I'm going to diet and get in better shape this year? You made it two months? Maybe. 
See, don't focus on what you don't want. Focus on what you do want. Focus on the purpose that God has for you and the direction he has for you to go. Because guess what? At that point, when you can focus on what's right, what's wrong will slide away. It'll still be there. It'll still try to annoy you. It'll still try to jab you. It'll still try to slow you down. But your focus is straight ahead. Third thing is you got to run God's race for you, not someone else's. See, I've got to run God's race that he has for me. See, God loves you and everybody else in the world has a wonderful plan for you. You guys are writing it down, so I'll tell you that one again in a second. See, run God's race. And I say that because at the end of verse 1, it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. See, God didn't put you here to run someone else's race. If you don't have a plan for your race, someone will give you a plan for your race. Whether it's family, whether it's parents, whether it's friends, whether it's your job, whether it's a well-meaning uncle. Someone always thinks they know how you should run your race. But guess what? God's given you a race to run. My job is to help you find that race and encourage you to run it. Encourage you to run that race. See, God puts you here to be you. How many of you guys want to be me? Seriously, I am cool. Why don't all your hands go up? Exactly. None of you guys want to be me, and nobody else can be you. Nobody else can worship God like you. Nobody else can serve God like you. Nobody else was given the purpose by God but, but you. You are a unique individual that God created to change history. So focus on your race. Focus on what God's called you to be and who God's called you to be. When you, when you be you, ultimately at the end of the day, that brings God glory. The fourth thing is you need to focus on Jesus, not on your circumstances. When I'm going through a tough time, when I feel like throwing in the towel, when I'm at the end of my rope, when I feel like I can't hold on, I need to focus on Jesus. When we focus on our circumstances, we shrink God down to our level. When we focus on Jesus and all he's done for me, I understand that anything I'm walking through today, he's already walked through for me. See, verse 2 says it this way. How do we run with endurance? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from the very start. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what tough times you're going through. It may seem like you're not going to make it through it, that you can't handle it. I'm encouraging you today to look to Jesus. Put what you're walking through today to the backdrop of the cross and understand that he died for you that he came to give his life for you so that you could have life and live it more abundantly. The fifth thing is we need to minimize the pain to maximize the profit. How many ever tried to get in shape? How many of all know it hurts to get in shape? <laughs> you go to the gym, it hurts. The next, I walk, I, I hate leg day, I'm going to be honest. I hate leg day with a passion. Why? Because I'm going to walk like a flamingo for three days after that, waiting for my knee to give out on me. They want to bend backwards, and I'm just doing it. And like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, my legs are just sore. See, growth hurts. 
But it says he, Jesus, was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew he would have afterwards. See, we can walk through tough times and we know there's something on the end of it. We know there's a blessing at the end of it. And we may not see it till we reach heaven, but we know it's there. See, that joy that Jesus had before him was you. It was me. When Jesus went to the cross, he knew he was dying for you. You were on his heart. That's why he did it. That was the joy set before him, was that he would be in a relationship with the children that his father had created. And it excited him. And I'm sure it wasn't exciting to go to the cross. But Jesus said, guess what? Because of the joy waiting before me, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so I'm just going to do what you called me to do, God. I'm going to focus on my purpose. I'm going to stay focused on where you've got me going. And when I get there, God, I know you have something greater than any stuff I've walked through today. Because I stayed focused. Because I said, Jesus, I'm going to minimize the pain and say, guess what? I understand what you went through. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about the pain he went through, and I talked about this. He said, I've worked hard. I've been put in jail more often. I've been whipped more times without number. I faced death again and again. Five times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. So he was whipped 39 times times five. That's how many scars he has on his back. Think about that. Five times 39. Dude took off his shirt. They really looked at him like he had something going on. He says, once he spent the whole night, day adrift. Once he was three times, he was shipwrecked. He said, I've traveled many weary miles. I've faced dangers from flooded rivers, from robbers, from dangers from my own people, as well as the Gentiles. I've faced dangers in cities and in the desert and in stormy seas. I've faced dangers from men who claim to be Christians but aren't. I've lived with weariness. I've lived with nothing. I've lived with the bunch. I've lived with pain. I've lived sleepless nights. I've often become hungry and thirsty and gone many times without food. I shivered in the cold without enough clothing to be kept warm. But then in chapter 4, Paul goes on to say, in spite of all of this, we do not lose heart. In spite of everything I went through, we, we will not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs anything I'm walking through today. And that deserves a hallelujah. I know y'all Minnesota nice today, but get a little excited about what God's saying to you. There, no, I'm serious. Give God something this morning. There you go. Um, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep cheerleading you guys from up here to get you guys to wake up with something. See, to sum up what I'm trying to teach you today is the problems you're going through, they're just tests. And they will give you a testimony when you walk through them. The obstacles you're walking through today are just opportunities for God to show up and show off. If you stay focused on Jesus, if you keep moving in the direction He's calling you to move, the real test of faith is when life stinks. When you don't feel close to God, that's when your faith shows up. And so I want to challenge you guys this morning. Will you trust God even when things aren't going right? Will you put your trust in Him? Or will you finish in the middle of the race and walk over to the sideline? <coughs> Excuse me. Question for you. How many guys have ever watched the 4 by 100 meter relay in the Olympics? Four guys have to run 100 meters, right? What if the guy that's running second comes up, passes off the baton, and say, okay, I want my medal now? He don't get it, does he? We need to finish our race. We need to finish our leg of the battle. So my challenge for you this morning, what have you finished 
Or what have you started that you need to finish? What have you started in your life that you need to keep moving forward in?